0: You know, uh, through the ages the world has had uh, many different self-proclaimed kings. And that's something that we tend to think that happened a long, long time ago, but the reality is we have had 10 different self-proclaimed kings in the last 100 years. Just in the last 100 years. In 1928, Ahmet, Zogu declared himself King Zog I of Albania. I'm not making this up. He ruled as king in Albania for 11 years until Italy invaded Albania just before World War II. In 1970 Leonard Casley proclaimed his wheat farm in western australia the principality of hut river and called himself his royal majesty king leonard the 1st of hut related to jabba i'm i'm not totally sure but he actually abdicated in 2017 left the principality to his son who dissolved it just last year 2020 even today we have a flag here of the principality of saborga saborga is a village in northwest italy in 1963 flower grower Giorgio Carbone investigated in the Vatican and he found, or he claims to have found, that Saborga was never actually owned by the House of Savoy or any other house. Well, the House of Savoy in 1861 joined with other houses to form the nation of Italy. Since Saborga was not part of that, he claims that Saborga today, roughly five and a half square miles, is a sovereign nation. And he's the king. And my favorite in 1967, Paddy Roy Bates took over a sea fort built by Great Britain in the channel between England and France during World War II, and he declared it the smallest country of the world, the principality of Sealand, 6,000 square feet. Now, just for comparison's sake, it's a little bit smaller than the sanctuary, but he's king. Several years ago, they asked him what the population of uh, Sealand was, and he said, well, uh, normally, uh, two. And yet, since its beginnings, Sealand has issued over 150,000 passports and certificates of citizenship. They had to cancel all those a couple of years ago because uh, people would get the citizenship and set up money laundering operations. So rather than deal with the international kerfuffle, uh, they just canceled the citizenship of everybody else. In 1978, there was even an attempted coup of Sealand, but His Royal Highness Prince Michael Bates found a revolver and drove away the usurpers. Sealand today participates in international sports. It has a Senate. It has a Constitution. It has coinage. It even has stamps. In 2013, the Sealandic flag was planted on top of Mount Everest, And if you go on the web today, you can, for a price, be a baron or baroness, a count or a countess, a lord or a lady, or a knight of Sealand. I'll tell you what. I almost bought a lordship for $49 from Sealand so I could show it to you this morning. But then I thought, why in the world would I want to be a lord when I can be king? And so today I formally declare to you the establishment, if I can get my crown to cooperate with me, of the principality of Randyland. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am, as of today, His Royal Majesty, Randy the Ah. You can see it there. You may refer to me as my title, His Uncommonness. You can come see me after the service if you want a lordship or a ladyship. I'll be glad. I think we can work something out. <laughs> it's silly, isn't it? And yet, somehow, I think that's what Pilate was thinking when he stood before Jesus and said, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Yeah, I am. I think those are some of the thoughts that were going through Pilate's. Now that whole story actually starts back in Mark chapter 14. In Mark 14, uh, the the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders are examining Jesus and they bring a pile of um, false witnesses to say things about Jesus and none of them could get their story straight. They all had a different story except They all said that Jesus claimed to be divine and claimed to be the king of the Jews. And so in Mark chapter 14, verse 61, the chief priests asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. Yeah. You got that right. And you'll see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. At that point, they stop and they say, we don't need any witnesses. He himself has claimed divine power. He's seated at God's right hand in heaven. He himself has said, he is the king of the Jews. And they decide right there, that he deserves to die, so they sentence him to death. Now the problem is, they don't have the authority to carry out that sentence. Rome has taken over Palestine, it's taken over Israel, and they don't have the authority to execute someone. Only Rome has that authority, so they need to take him to Pilate, to get Pilate to condemn him to death, but now they have a bigger problem. They cannot accuse Jesus before Pilate of claiming to be the Son of God because Caesar is doing the very same thing. They can't say Jesus is guilty of claiming to be the Son of God when Caesar, on a regular basis, announces his godship. So they come up with a different claim. They take him before Jesus, Uh, they take him before Pilate, and they say Jesus claims to be king of the Jews. When the Roman Senate has named a king and it's not Jesus, he deserves to die. Now, there were others who claimed to be the king of the Jews after Rome took over Palestine and Israel, Herod the Great went to Rome to present his case to the Senate, and he went away from the Senate with a formal title. Herod was the first king of the Jews. Now the Roman Senate thought, okay, we'll name him king. That'll appease the local folk. That will help them... He has no real authority, but he's got a title, king of the Jews. What they didn't understand was that Herod was Samaritan, and for a Samaritan to be a king of the Jews was no appeasement at all. Instead, it was just adding fuel to the fire. Herod died, and the Senate named his son Herod Antipas, king of the Jews. And he was still king of the Jews during Jesus' ministry. But when Herod died, there were two others. One of Herod's slaves, a man by the name of Simon. He lived in Perea, east of the Jordan River. As soon as Herod died, Simon claimed the title king. And he served for a little bit and the Roman army came and they killed him. Then there was a shepherd, a Jewish shepherd, named Anthranges, also in 4 BC. Josephus, a historian who wrote around that time, tells us he was a big man and he was very strong. He had four brothers, all of them were very strong. He claimed to be the king of the Jews and he reigned for a short period of time. Then the Roman army came And they killed him too. So you see, Pilate's just a little bit sensitive when somebody says, I am the king of the Jews. So in Mark chapter 15, hearing the accusation, Mark chapter 15, verse two, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, you've said it. Those are your words. Yeah, that's me. I'm the king of the Jews. Now I think what was going through Pilate's mind is here's a fool with a plastic crown. Here's an idiot who either is trying to get something or maybe he's just a little bit crazy and actually thinks he's the king of the Jews. Now the Jews who brought Jesus to Pilate also believed that Jesus thought that he was the king of the Jews. But they had a concern. They were worried because Jesus had followers. They were worried that those followers would grow. And they were worried what would happen afterward. If those followers grow, what does that mean for them as Jewish leaders? What if Jesus presents himself to the Roman government claiming to be the king of the Jews. So they decided that he should die instead. Now, the reason they believe that Jesus thought that he was king of the Jews is because this is one thing that Jesus very clearly says all through his ministry. I'm king. I'm the Messiah. I am the king of the Jews. We find it very early on in the book of John Jesus just starting his ministry begins to teach that he is the Messiah and in those early followers was a man named Nathaniel. Nathaniel came to see Jesus. Philip found Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree and Philip said come and Meet the Messiah. Nathanael comes and Jesus says, I saw you when Philip called you under the fig tree. Nathanael answers and says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And the interesting thing here is that Jesus doesn't say, oh, no, 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 that's not me. No, 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 you've, you've gone overboard. He accepts that. He says, in essence, you're right. I am. He presented himself as the leader of what he called the kingdom of God. All during his ministry he talked about the kingdom of God. In fact, in the book of Mark, when Mark presents all of Jesus's ministry, Mark chapter 1 verse 15, he summarizes it by saying Jesus said, "The time promised by God, has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Believe the gospel. Jesus' message was the message of the kingdom. And all through the book of Mark, we catch that message. Now, the first thing Jesus teaches about the kingdom is who is the king of that kingdom. The first half of the book of Mark answers the question, who is the king? We have on six or seven different occasions in the book of Mark, chapters one to eight, the question, who is this? The disciples ask it when Jesus calms the storm. Demons that Jesus throws out, they don't have to ask it. In fact, they say, we know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. You are the King of Israel. Pharisees, key leaders asked it, Who is this? And just like Chrissy told us, we get the answer to that in chapter 8 of the book of Mark when Jesus says to the 12, Who do you say I am? And Peter, speaking for the 12, says, We believe you're the Messiah. We believe you're the son of God. You are divine. You are the Messiah. You are the king of the kingdom of God. Now the last half of the book of Mark deals with what the king is like. He doesn't present himself in a very kingly fashion. In fact, Jesus now begins to say, I've come to die, and I'm dying for you. The last half of the book of Mark deals with what the kingdom is like. And it's unlike anything that they've ever seen before. Jesus says, if you want to be a member of the kingdom of God, become like a child. Totally, totally upside down from what they were expecting. The last half of the book of Mark deals with what it means to be a member of God's kingdom. In fact, on one of these occasions in the second half of Jesus's ministries, the Pharisees come to Jesus. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus answered saying, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or look, it's over there. The kingdom of God is already among you. Now, what he was saying was very simple. Guys, I'm here. You want to know what the kingdom of God looks like? Look. Look at me. I am here. Where you see me, you see God's kingdom. Where the king is, the kingdom is. God's kingdom, Jesus says, is a brand new community. All through the Old Testament, people were used to thinking that the nation of Israel was God's people here on earth. Great. Understood. But they broke God's law. They walked away from God. And so when the New Testament comes, Jesus says there's a new kingdom. The kingdom of God is a new community. It consists of those who follow Jesus. The new followers of Jesus live like Jesus lived. They love like Jesus loved. They go like Jesus went. You see, the reason Jesus lived with us for three and a half years was, yeah, to teach us things, and it was just easier to do it being face-to-face. But more importantly, he wanted to show us what it meant to be a member of God's kingdom. To be a member of God's kingdom, we live like the king. We do the things that he did. We follow him. Now, not everybody understood what it was that Jesus was saying. And even if they understood what Jesus was saying, not everybody agreed with it. The Jewish leaders were content with the way things were, they were in charge. And they recognized that what Jesus was doing, he was turning that authority upside down. Jesus said there's a new community. And he began to talk to fishermen. He began to talk to ordinary people, day laborers. These were the new leaders in God's kingdom. And the existing leaders said, "Uh uh-uh, we can't have that. And so they condemned Jesus to die. In fact, in the book of John, very same passage that we're here in Mark 15. In the book of John, Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says very plainly, yes, I am. So Pilate goes to the crowd that's gathered outside and said, uh, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And they said, away with him. Away with him, crucify him. And Pilate responds, maybe with a little bit of cynicism in his voice, what? Crucify your king? And get this answer. They say, we have no king but Caesar. Now this is a Jewish crowd saying we have no king but Caesar. Caesar who claimed to be God. Caesar who crucified Jews on a yearly basis. Caesar who followed pagan gods like Zeus, Hermes, Apollos. We have no king but Caesar. Do you remember last week? Last week we finished up the book of Judges and and Zach taught us about Samson and he talked about the last five chapters of the book of Judges where a recurring theme is there was no king in Israel. And Zach pointed out, that's repeated five times in the last five chapters, But it's not true. There was a king in Israel. God was the king of Israel. They just didn't accept him. They just didn't want to live with that. They had a king. They just refused to recognize him as their king. And today... The kingdom of God is still among us. The kingdom of God is still here because Jesus is here. And today, just as he did 2,000 years ago, Jesus asks the question, do you understand that I am king? And today, just like 2,000 years ago, we have... Decision. Do we believe that Jesus is a fool with a plastic crown or do we make Jesus the king of our life? There is no other choice. We can't accept Jesus as a good moral teacher, we can't accept Jesus as a wonderful person, we can't even accept him as a prophet and a miracle worker, but not accept him as king because he made the claim that he was king. A person who claims to be king is one of two things. He's a fool, or he is what he says he is. Those are the only two choices that we have today. Jesus still calls us to live like he lived, to love like he loved, to go like he went. But to do that, we have to give up control of our life. We cannot live as if we were the ones who are actually in charge. We cannot do whatever seems right in our own eyes. If we want to be Jesus in every corner of our world, we must recognize Jesus as king of our life. So what about us today? Do we believe that Jesus is a fool with a plastic crown? Or do we understand and accept that he is indeed the king of our life. There is no other choice. Would you pray with me today? Lord Jesus, as we sit here before you, we don't hear the question, are you the king of the Jews? We hear the question, are you the king of my life? And the question is not yours to answer, the question is ours to answer. So help us, Lord. Help us today to be able to say, yes, I understand, I see, and I follow. Be the king of our life. We ask this, Lord, in your name.